Maybe you're buying your first facility. Maybe you're a seasoned veteran, whatever that might be. You're going to need property management software, and that's where Tenant Inc. comes in. They are going to be your solution, the top solution in the self-storage industry. I'm telling you guys, this technology has been developed by self-storage owners and operators just like us, just like us here at Self Storage Income, who have had a say in how this technology has been built, have played a huge part in it, and it is one of the most robust and usable and actionable and valuable tools in regards to property management that you could ever utilize or find in the technology realm and all things self-storage. So be sure to check out Tenant Inc. Link is in the show notes. Welcome everybody to self-storage income. And today we are spilling the beans, all the secrets. We're telling you guys what's going on, the risks, the dangers, and how you can leverage these secrets that the REITs and the biggest operators use. So it's a fun topic, huh, Connor? It is a really fun topic. Uh, you know, as we've talked about on the podcast the last few times, uh, operations really, really mean a lot. You know, we're, we're out, out of these, uh, these time frames where all these stimmy checks were going out and inflation was going crazy. And now we're seeing times where people actually have to work and do things to, to get and maintain occupancy and revenues. And uh, so I know uh, a huge part of our focus has been on occupancy. And, you know, obviously we're always looking at revenues, but we're really focused on driving revenues. And the topic that we're talking today, as AJ's talked about here, we're spilling the beans, man. We're spilling the beans talking about you know, what exactly we're looking at and how how you should be looking at and identifying the separation of certain revenue streams at your your facilities. So, yeah, this is a this is something that a lot of people, they may be understanding concept, but I don't think they understand the effects of it, uh, not just on the individual asset, but the marketplace. And this is something everybody you guys, you're going to struggle with this when it comes to banks when it comes to underwriting, understanding if a deal's a not a good deal or not, because the marketplace is in a position that it's never been. And two, a lot of it doesn't make sense. And what I'm going to explain will help you understand, I think, where the market is today and why certain things are occurring. No, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, it's literally, a, it, it's amazing because I don't think a lot of people, we saw it or understood the effects of it coming um, in the way that it did. And I, the easiest way maybe we could just preface this is if you're kind of thinking about self-storage, we've talked a lot, obviously, about the Wall Street Journal market, the largest drop in rental rate history, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but a lot of people may think that the underlying reason for some of those things is just overall demand being gone. But then two... You have operators and you have people that are confused because they're not seeing some of those effects. And there's a reason why it's confusing um, because it's not normal. And the reason it's not normal is due to operations. And the game has changed, everybody. And it's changed profoundly. And we never saw these changes be till now because they were masked. Well, they, they changed profoundly and they changed Fast. Fast. Very fast. And you all need to play the game. And so we're going to uh, teach you how and what's going on. Well, let's start to 
how they change what. First of all, if you look at the rate drop, the easiest way to look at this is say, all right, if uh, the correlation between self-storage street rates and demand, um, if that was purely that, then why haven't we seen in previous cycles a rate drop associated with vacancies that were much larger than today? Meaning that in 2008, we had a rate drop, but it wasn't like we've had uh, in the last year, even though vacancies were much higher. That doesn't make sense. Let's talk about simple investing, supply, demand. If I have more units open, prices should go down to entice people to rent, right? So there should be a correlation with rents and vacancy. Um, but you're seeing in marketplaces that have a vacancy of 10, 12%, and you're seeing units that are dropping by 45% on street rates. That's not logical. That doesn't make sense. And it's left a lot of operators shell-shocked. Like, what's happening? What's going on? Now, how we got to this point, and there's two dangers in it that we're going to talk about. First, market regulation, which I'm very concerned about. I'm very concerned about the future of regulation due to what's happening. Um, the second thing is that some operators that don't understand this or get this are just going to be left behind because they it was they couldn't wrap their heads around it and then they also didn't play the game which this is something that you can all do and play the game and the REITs have just really perfected this and made it mainstream to a point where we can't not and that's the key the game has changed to a point where we can't now if you're in much smaller markets um, you may not feel the effects of it. And this is why, and you're going to see that the rate drop and fluctuations in most of these markets are much more exaggerated in REIT or large operator dominated markets. Why? Because of the system that is being used. Now, that doesn't mean that in small markets, you don't have this, you do. And also you should adapt this method because your revenues will skyrocket. Um, and it is coming to a market near you, meaning that what we're seeing in first, second, and even third tier markets today uh, will be in every single market. It will become standard, just like online rentals are now standard. Yeah, It'll be the same standardized thing. And your competitive advantage to be able to do this will be a differentiator. Um, so what has happened is after 2008, first and foremost, the REITs learned something that would forever change the game. This industry learned something. And that was the stickiness, per se, of our tenants. So the price elasticity of them. And they learned through that that um, there's a very different uh, set of economics when it comes to street rates and in-place rates. They're not the same most people view as they are, or they aren't, but to a small varying degree. Now, when they learned that, then it became this idea of we can manipulate the difference between these. Now, this is something that we do. This is something that all the REITs do. And that came with the backing of technology that allowed them to um, start manipulating spreads and differences, which we call revenue management. Um, but this gave birth to the technology and rev management and things that would uh, go be above and beyond that. 
Now, the first thing is, well, hold on, did they just come up with it? So are we just seeing it now? No, but we've never seen it in effect because one part of the rev revenue management is the back end part. That's what they've all been doing, we've all been doing, that back end. The front end, meaning the street rates though, is never kicked in. Why? Because we've had 90 plus percent occupancies forever. So we've actually never been in a time where this system has been in a vacancy era. It's never been in a competitive advantage, manage, managed, uh, or excuse me, a competitive rate environment and occupancy environment. So the technologies that are used and the methodology and the strategies that are being used today didn't exist anywhere to this level that they did in 2008 and were not broadly accepted. So that's why this is so different. And that's why we haven't seen it till now because once again, since 2015 on, it was just high uh, occupancy rates and high rates. So the differences generally weren't even felt by an owner um, that had one facility that was doing some of these things and the other one that didn't. And there, it was all back end. So it was, it was behind the scenes. Now, everybody's rates were going up and everybody's um, occupancy was going up. So the side that came in, they didn't, they didn't ever see or need to do. And that was the fact that the REITs learned this. There is a market that has $150 rate for a 10 by 10. Now, we're competitive, so I need to get all the customers. I'm going to drop that rate to 50 bucks a third. And I'm going to get all the customers. And then within three months, I'm going to raise everybody's rates to $150. And we know that less than 30% of them will move. So let's just use the 30% rule. Let's say 30% after three months move. Now I have 70% um, at 3x the revenue, which is way better than having 100% at, uh, at whatever lower amount that was. And they also learn then you just go out and get 30% more and you do it one more time. Now you're at 90% at the top of the market while everybody else is competing down market. So once again, the divergence, street rates are 50 bucks, but in-place rates are 150 bucks and it's a three-month spread to achieve that. That changed and made basically the street rate irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And... It was all about getting people in the door. As Connor knows intimately, as I've told them, I don't care if it's a penny, right? It's like that is- Get them in. Get them in. It Occupancy. doesn't matter because what <laughs> happens goal. to them afterwards is, is yeah. totally different. We have our technology and our systems to maximize and, and do things like that. Now, first of all, this is something that I think I was late to the game on the extremity of the system being implored to fill up and to compete in a competitive marketplace, meaning that I did not see the drops that we saw. Uh, we had one market where literally it went from 180 bucks to 75 bucks. Um, we did, I didn't see that. And I didn't see how fast it happened. And I didn't see how all the REITs were doing it because um, that was such a massive just drop. It was like, first of all, why? And then second of all, um, how aggressive are you gonna be? I didn't realize that the REITs were gonna be so aggressive. We're not, we're not and we haven't been. 
Um, and that hurt us. Mm -hmm. That hurt us. We were late to the game. Yep. And we were not competitive. And uh, that three-month period of time, it did. It hurt us. And then we had to turn the ship around and then say, okay, we got to play this game. Uh, because what happens, you guys, is when one person drops it to 50 bucks, that is the new street rate market. Now, out of those facilities, we actually did drop it. Our revenue's up. That's the thing you got to realize, okay? And REITs, their revenue's up. But looking from the outside, you're going, how in the world can they make this work? Mm -hmm. This doesn't even make sense. How can they pay their bills? And the, because the reason is, though, the street rate is not the actual rate. Um, now, that's always kind of been in place, but never to this extreme. Uh, and this is why, and this is how you have to do it, and I'm going to walk you through what, what you need to do and how you need to do it and why it's important, obviously, um, because you have to get customers and you have to get uh, street rates filled up. But um, I'm going to be very upfront to say I adamantly do not like this. I do not like this on a personal level. Um, I do not like this kind of competition. I feel that it's trickery. And um, I don't like it. Hence the reason why we were late to adopt. Uh, but that's irrelevant at this point. If you're in the game, this is how the game works in these markets. Now, if you're in a, a smaller market that doesn't have these kind of pressures, things like that, Trust me, it, it will come to you, and it probably already is coming in some way, shape, or form. Um, and you need to adopt at some level, because we've always done this. And that's part of the game, and that's been very, very profitable for us. But never like we're seeing today, right? Mm -hmm. Never, nothing like this. The the, the idea of 3Xing somebody's rent in three months... Um, just I struggle with that. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, just it's, looking at our, our history, it was six months. Uh -huh. You know, so people were getting a, uh, an increase. And not 3Xing. It, right, exactly. It was like 6 to 15%. Yeah, 6 to 15% yeah. increase over, you know, once they hit in that good six times. months. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that was in that 6 to 15%. It wasn't just based on, oh, you've been here for six months, now you're getting this. It was based on, again, this technology, this utilization yep. of, you know, what the rates were, what occupancies were looking like in those markets, those different things. It takes all of that into yes. account and gives you a rating to yes. say, hey, you should increase it X amount or not. And um, you know, like you said, it's, it's a totally different game at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's one we're playing now, but um, because you just, you just need to realize that at the end of the day, the customer doesn't know and doesn't care. You can try to educate the customer, but they literally do not care. Meaning that, well, I'll take the 50 bucks for three months and then figure out what to do from there. So the customers are openly saying, you can't, if you go and tell them, well, your rate will be 150 bucks, but I'm giving it to you at 120, they still look at it and say, well, if I think I'm only going to stay for four or five months, I'm better off. Now, the fact of the matter is they don't, they stay longer and then they get hit with it. Um, but the customers are willing to, um, not, not willing to participate because a lot of them don't know, but even the ones that you tell, they, there's not a, oh yeah, you're right. So I'll just pay 120 bucks instead of the fit. No, they don't do that. They just don't rent from you. And that's what shocked me. I thought we didn't have to go quite down to there because we could, but no, it doesn't work. So uh, one of the largest reasons is, is the mode of how we acquire customers is vastly online. It's becoming way more touchless. 
Um, and our customers are much more short-term thinking. And so they don't, you, you, they don't view storage utilization as this like part of my life long-term, even though it is. Oh, yeah. Well, but I mean, that's how many not people, what they first think about. I mean, how many of these tenants probably walk in the facilities? And I mean, even I've done this where I'm like, dude, I, I'm, I maybe am going to need this for 30, 60 days. Yeah. And then four months later. Four months later, you're like, <laughs> what am I going to do? It's I can't freaking time. Exactly. Like, I got to get rid of that. Exactly. Uh, so so happens. It's, it happens. So y we have to play this game. You have to play, do this or you just, yeah, I mean, at some point you're really not participating. Um, now, a lot of this people may go, oh, AJ, we don't need to because we have a full unit. And you have to remember, though, storage is a layering effect. A busy season to slow season, a busy season to slow season. So at... Uh, every time you're getting customers at less or you're not getting customers, then it's exaggerated in the slow to busy season. So you don't feel the effects lots of times until an eight month period of time, once you're done through those two cycles. And then all of a sudden, whoa, I didn't fill up like I should have. I didn't get late. the rates. It's too late. Now you're playing catch up. Um, so uh, first and foremost, that that is the winning strategy. Now, how they're implementing it and why it's a winning strategy is they know their rates are 150 bucks. So the fact that they know their rate is actually 150 bucks means they can act like advertisement and everything else, even though it says 50 bucks, as if it was 150, because that's the true value. So now they're beating everybody out on ad spend. Um, they're, they're listing higher. It's just, it's a whole system. Mm -hmm. that allows them to compete it in totally every way, changes shape, or form. Your cost per acquisition on, yeah. on customers, for sure. And this exasperated the rate drop and why it wasn't nearly as correlated with vacancies this time because the... And revenues. And revenues. Yeah. So w largest rate drop in history and revenues for the REITs will go up. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when ours will, everybody, you know, well, not everybody's, but ours will. People that are doing this, this will. So the next thing you need to know, everyone, is this is not getting put back in the bottle. No. The you know, genie's not going back in the bottle because yeah. they learned they could do it. They tested they could do it. And now there's no reason, whether I got 15%, whether it's a new build I'm filling up, not let's just fill up like that mm -hmm. and jack rates up because it's so efficient and effective and you can right. dominate markets. So because they do that, everybody has to do it. Everybody's rates go down. And this is now how it how it works. And they're not going back from it. The no. only reason why is if we got into unprecedented times where they were completely full, everybody was completely full, so it didn't matter. But that's also not happening. Right. We're, we're back to a new normal. You should expect 85 to 90% occupancy um, forever. That, that should be a normal, right? The, the stuff of... 88 to 96% occupancy that we've seen over the last eight years, that's not normal. So the genie's out of the bottle, it's not going back in, and that creates more consolidation, that creates um, a, a huge separation of performance between mm -hmm. operators. So guys, what you need to do is you need to look at your vacancy, and you need to look at your individual unit types, how many you have, what the competitive rates in the market are, you need to look at the timing of individuals when you get them, when they come in, individual rate schedules, and the degree of those rate increases should be predicated on the um, when they come in plus how full that unit type is and compared to the overall market. So we look at our rate increases in two forms. The first thing that I look at is 
um, spread. So once they come in, how much can we yield? What is the opportunity? And then we do a sensitivity analysis. The sensitivity analysis is at what point do those people leave? Now, this is a very large uh, equation that we've built out and putting together. We're actually going to offer it to everyone here really, really soon. We're in the middle of developing it. Um, but for starters, we do this manually, and then we add on a tech system that is like Veritech. Now, Veritech is a software system that takes in all the rates in the market and, and does this. This is the second thing that spurred this on because Veritech, as well as all property management systems, not just Veritech, I'm just saying that because they're the one that we use, um, but all property management systems, the inputs to decide rates are street rates. So when one rate drops a street rate, guess what all these systems do? Drop rates. Makes adjustments. It's an automatic thing, right? The algorithm takes it in, it adjusts, and all of a sudden everyone starts going clunk, 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 clunk down. It's, it, it's like, it's just a system that's run by computers and they all start going in unison. So that these things just exasperated this rate spread, which once again, it just didn't make sense when you were in the industry because you're like, my facility is not performing bad. I'm mm -hmm. actually up in revenue. I have good occupancy. What the heck is this all about? There's this, this, what is happening in the market is not associated with the reality of what I'm experiencing and what I have. And that's true. Because remember, the street rate and the in-place rate are two different worlds. And this is the first time that those things have been so disconnected. Now, why I think that this is a really bad thing and it's going to lead to things like... Um, regulation. Regulation is because, well, people don't like to have their rate jacked up by 50 to 300% in just three months. That is viewed as gouging. And... I'm very, very concerned that as this just comes, because we're hearing this, you're reading this in articles as people are saying, my rates are going up. What is going on here? I paid 50 bucks and now I'm at 300, right? Or some crazy number that we're hearing. Um, that creates noise in the marketplace and people are pissed. And the first time that that starts to happen to a politician's kid, to them, to other people, and people are complaining to the Better Business Bureau, that then opens a door to government, and that's not a door we want open. Mm -hmm. And our what we've worked so hard in storage, and ISS, SSA, you guys have been great leading this, and the REITs too. Every one of you REITs, public storage, um, extra space, all you guys. You guys really came to the table for us individual operators when it came to legislature. And anybody that's an individual operator that says, oh, the REITs aren't your friend. Well, the REITs are the reason why we have higher rates. And they're the reasons why we have such incredible um, government interaction. It's due to the REITs and the large associations. Okay. So remember that, everybody. Um, and they've worked so diligently at this for a long time, long time before I was in storage, right? And uh, they really stepped on the gas after even 2008. And they've just done incredible work. We've worked with them. We've worked with them in our own state, everything from taxing issues and stuff. You, Everyone that's listening to this podcast, if you are not involved with SSA, ISS, and the attorneys and the legislation within your state, 
that is unacceptable to me. Go get involved. Rising tide lifts all ships, everybody. I'm telling you right now, go call and ask how you can be involved. Because if the customers, everyone, outweigh our voices, obviously, then it's easy to pick on. And these doors that we have worked so hard to keep shut, these doors will open up. And I don't want that to happen. And I think that, yes, we are being too aggressive. And uh, the problem with that is, though, we're in a situation where we have to. Now, yes, I am calling you guys out, public storage, re, uh, extra space and everything. Uh, once again, I love you for everything you've done to the industry, risen rates and molding, everything else like that. But this is got me concerned. But that's okay, because you guys will spend your bill billions of dollars to help us fight against the government. So as long as you're okay with that, everybody will do it. Now, for the individual operators, fight. though, you've got to play this game. So once again, yeah. your rate, your individual unit occupancy, the overall market, getting competitive, bringing people in, having an aggressive rate schedule, definitely within the first six months, because you run into a problem where, and this is what the REITs learned, if my average person stays let's say 14 months, well, let's say half of them don't stay for a year, then if you're raising it, um, if you're raising it in year, month six or eight, you're not getting any of that, that increase at all. So they do it immediately and quickly. Now, timing also is another thing that you want to look at when you do. And uh, the customer, how they use it, but you have to get comfortable with rate increases because you can't operate your business at a rent level that's 40% below what it is. It doesn't matter. So those aren't the real rates, everybody. Figure out what your real rate is. You get people in, then create an escalation plan. Do not do this overall. Meaning, don't go and jack up all your rates and say, hey, all our tenants, we're giving a 40% increase. That's not how you play the game. It's individual. Why? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you'll have mass move outs, you'll have vacancy problems and everything because then it's 30% of the whole facility. Where REITs, they do it individually. So every single month, they have people moving out and people moving in. So the effects aren't felt nearly as much. That's what you got to do. And you put all your people in an Excel spreadsheet. If you don't have the software and if you're not doing this through technology, you can literally do it even by PIN. So it's something that everybody needs to be doing and operating. This is how you can combat um, low vacancy um, and don't have the inverse of rental uh, revenue per square foot and vacancy. Meaning that, and we showed in the other podcast, you guys can go check it out. I actually talked about my facilities and showed, okay, there, here we got rental rate per square foot moving up and occupancies working be, uh, against that. And I showed three versions of how that looked and works. Um, including ones that were bad that we were trying to combat. So revenue and occupancy are always at odds. This is how you work with it and how you hedge against it. Sensitivity versus potential. Do not be afraid to kick people out. It is just a natural part of our business. Do not be afraid to raise rents. If you're afraid to raise, rent, raise rents, if you're afraid to be aggressive online, everything, this is not going to be the industry for you. And that's just the truth. You shouldn't be playing this game. Um, well, just, I mean, from an operations standpoint, just to give you guys some insight, um, across 24 facilities across the country, I have heard of one, one person, one tenant out of 8,000 doors 
that said, hey, all the uh, all the rates out in you know the market are like way down, but I'm paying way high. One, one. It's because everybody gives discounts. And mm-hmm. people that say, well, it's it, you know that's not fair. What I'm like, do you go to Toyota and say, hey, I spent fifty thousand dollars, fifty five thousand dollars on this truck or whatever it is. And you're now selling it on the special and everything for $40,000. And I bought this six months ago. So I want you to now refund me 15 grand. Do you mm-hmm. do that when you go to the Gap and shirts are on 50% off? No, nobody does. This is a normal part of doing business, mm-hmm. right? There are incentives. You get supply, people demand, supply, demand. Market changes. Exactly. I mean, and you got to be willing to do it. So... Um, it's just how the game is played. You need to look at uh, software um, that can help you analyze these things. Um, now, I'm not saying you even need to go buy it. If you have one facility, everybody, or even two or three, this is very much able to do manly, manually. We did this, and we had our whole own rate revenue management system that we put into place that was manual. It was literally done through Excels. And we would sit in a room, and we would go over stacks of paper and it was literally me, Sam, and Ron, my dad, we would be sitting there going through every unit, every rental, and we're like, okay, well, how much should we do on this one? Um, that was before we spent the tech, and that was on eight large facilities. So you can, you don't need technology. Don't use that as an excuse. But technology adds in when you look at the overall market, that complexity, and also that those bigger swings that, that we didn't have prior. Mm-hmm. Um, but... We're now seeing, once again, um, the effects of these. And, and I don't think the genie is going to be put back in the bottle. And I think that rates will be more erratic. They will be more exaggerated than we've seen in the past uh, because everyone learned that this works and you can do it. So I can get my occupancy up without forfeiting my high rates that I want. Now, this is the problem that everybody's going to have. And I know because I'm dealing with this. Try telling that to a bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up in the beginning because I, d- I definitely wanted to touch on that and, and what your experience has been so far in communicating this because obviously banks are just going out and looking at that street. Right? Yes. And when you're getting financing, you're setting up your lending, conveying that image, how do you do that? And again, you made a really good point about getting out, making those connections with the professionals at these associations, whether it's your state, your counties, other operators, being able to go and convey that with people who are in that industry or in that market to those banks and those lenders is really important. Team up with people, paint that picture, help them out. Yeah. Um, it, and, and you can work with hard. lenders. I mean, I know we, we talked yeah. about Live Oak. I mean, working yep. with Live Oak Bank and those individuals who, you know, know and understand and that's, the storage and dynamics. And that's the key. Super important. Super important. You, like, you need people that don't understand the industry this is not normal for any other industry. This is not normal for real estate that you could get somebody in and in months, literally three X the rents that doesn't exist in other real estate asset classes. So no one is familiar with this, even within our own industry, the vast majority do not even know that this is going on. I would absolutely say that 90% of the operators do not know that this is happening how aggressive it is and you know what what's happening with that said then why would a bank know and when you go to get a bank loan so let's say you're building a new project let's just say because i am and i've been dealing with those with the banks and you go out (laughs) and they say okay well this reit over here 
dropped this rate from 200 bucks to 120. Okay, well, if you we do that and, you know, times aren't as good, so we have rental rate increases of 3% in five years, right? You're nowhere near the 200, and you're like, that's, that's not how it works, right? So their in-place rents are 200 bucks. They go 120, they get it in, and you can actually see the month-to-month changes. So you can look at sites like Radius, things like that, and you'll see, oh, 90 bucks, 130, and like they, they're jumping wildly like we, we've never seen because they're enticing people to get in. Um, but the bank, they don't look at it like that. What are, rent, what are rents today and what is a rent escalation? And in today's environment, they're putting that at like 3%. Well, all of a sudden they're going, this doesn't make sense. And you're like, yeah, because this market has never been, it's been whatever a decade since it's been that low, street rates and in-place rates don't work and converge. You, you're really gonna have to work with people that say, that understand the fluctuations, busy seasons, and you're gonna have to show your rent escalation process and how aggressive you're gonna be, why it'll work. You need to provide information and data. Um, But even then, what we're seeing in especially, but I'm in a much more sensitive demographic, or not demographic, but market size. So if if I was building things for like under 10 million, this would not be an issue. Problem I have is we're in this weird range where it's like 20 to 30 million um, building projects where when you're in that range, you're too small for the big investment banks and you're too big for the little ones. So, or, or even the medium sized ones, regional banks, everything else. And that's really a lot of risk right now. So what we found that they're doing is they're zeroing everything out. So whatever that rate is, that's what your rate is and that's what you're gonna get even though you're not even building for two years or whatnot, but you can't, they obviously can't make up numbers. So that makes sense. It is what it is. And then you're applying that escalation on there. And that shows performance that are like, we we did it in our underwriting with our bank today shows on one of our assets and this still works. That's why this is funny. It actually still works with these numbers and it's hard to convey. Like that's not even remotely going to be true, but in six years, we will not even get rates in that market back to the point where they were almost six years prior because of just that short-term fluctuation in rents. And it's like, that's not, it's not how it works. But the banks are like, I don't have anything else to go off of, right. so I see. So right. we can even get it to work then, which will show, obviously, not only not in six years, but those rents will be back up to those levels because we will force them up. We'll kick people out to do it and we'll keep churning and kicking people out to do it. And so we, a stabilized rate in three years will be closer to that 200 mark. Mm-hmm. Um, we may still be giving though rates, street rates at 130 bucks. Uh, but the banks can't do that. And if you look at obviously the performance on an asset of that spread over a five, six year period, you're talking about two completely different assets. Um, And this is going to be hard. This is going to be hard when you go and you are buying a facility, but then the street rates in that market have come down significantly, even though you say, but we can raise rates here, we can do all this stuff to get money. And the bank's like, rates are falling. That means your revenue is going down, right? So educating them and being and showing them this is where street rates are, but this is the escalation. This is how it works in place. And we have numbers to back this up. 
um, you're really going to have to work with them. But a lot of them really are just, that's too much risk. Um, we can't, we're zeroing it out. It is what it is. And we cannot place money in capital in this time, time mm -hmm. for it. So that's going to be your, your biggest problem is in markets that have really good growth or really good potential. Often lots of times are, are suffering the biggest from the, the, the rate movements, which make financial institutions that they want steady, eddy, simple, measurable scene, this stuff, even ups, ups and downs like the swings, they don't like, right? They don't like. So you're really going to need to work on building out models for that and looking at how, how you can help and explain to banks how this will work. So it is a safe investment that the correlation of a standard market rate increase of three or 4% makes no sense in storage. It, it really does not. Um, we don't give that period. There, there's no, even if rents were high on the street rates, we do not give a three to 4% rate increase. We, we don't do it. And mm -hmm. uh, none of the REITs do or anything, but it's just hard to get across to banks, everybody. So it's going to be a tough one. It's also going to be really hard for a lot of operators that feel so vastly uncomfortable giving large rate increases, which I get, we all do. I'm uncomfortable with the levels we're seeing today, and I'm very pro-rate increases, as you can already tell. I have no problem with them, but at these levels, it makes me uncomfortable, um, but it's the game you got to play. So people that are like, a 15% rate increase, right, is too much, or a 10% rate increase is too much, um, it's going to be even harder for you when you have to drop your street rate by 20% to say, this just isn't working right. Then if you go to sell or if you have other things, right, it's going to hurt you. That's why we're saying it. That's why we're being transparent about this and why I'm saying you have to play the game and you have to understand that just because street rates are dropping everything, don't lose your mind, don't freak out, that that doesn't mean that's correlated with the reality. We will have the largest rental rate drop in history and all the REITs revenues will rise. And they had the largest rental rate drop. That's who we're talking about. And all of their revenue will rise. By the end of the year, I guarantee it, their revenue will be plus and it will be up after them literally coming out and saying, and we, we can see that we had you know a 30 plus percent rental rate drop. You just don't have that in other industries. That would be catastrophic, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you need to be, get more comfortable with that. Go look at markets and assets, go see what's happening and then you know, a lot of these operations you can't talk to or whatnot, but go look on Facebook pages or groups like self-storage in the city for REITs that had really big drops and see if you can find out and you're going to hear tenants and people talking about online as you search these things. They gave me a 30% rate increase in three months, right? And you're going to go, okay, now I know that that street rate that that store has is not their in-place rent. It's 30% higher because you're hearing it from the customers and that'll help you do some underwriting on your own and understand what the real rate is. There you go. There you go. 
No, it's such a good such a good topic topic to be talking about. And the silver lining is, you know, obviously a lot of times we've talked about when you're analyzing these markets, you're moving into these different markets, you're looking at the current street rates, and you're saying, okay, well, the facility I'm looking at, their 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 rates are about here because you're looking at the rent rolls or whatever you got in your in your hands at that point in time, and you're seeing that spread like we talk about yeah. between what they're currently getting and what you're seeing in the marketplace. The, the reality now is, is not only may there be a spread between what's currently being charged at the facility and the asset you're looking at and the current street rates in that market, there most likely is a additional spread on top of what you're seeing there. So there's even more upside exactly. to be had at these facil- with these assets, which is exactly. the silver lining, which is pretty awesome. It is. It's And two, guys, once you get this and once they get the game and everything, it's that money on the table that we're mm-hmm. talking about, like you said, you're going to see it, and it's going to help you be more competitive. It's going to help you understand what to do and yield more um, and to be more confident in your approach and what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. all right, everybody. Good stuff. Good stuff. Also, too, one of the things, you guys, getting that feasibility study done, um, follow the link below. You can get us to help you with the development feasibility studies, which includes our construction management team architect, as well as our feasibility study. You actually get all three of those within our feasibility study. Um, and then also to everybody, just a regular normal facility you're looking at. Those are a lot of things we're going to look at and analyze those rates and, and help you guys out. So don't feel overwhelmed by it. I did the same thing forever. I hired feasibility studies, people to help me understand those markets and and get a good grasp of what's going on. So with that, everybody, have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. We'll see you guys.